Hello, and welcome to another episode of Northwestify. Today in the studio, uh, we have our usual host, Zach Giorgio. Hi, guys. And we've got James McDougall, IT Director of PLT. Hi, guys. Um, for those of you who don't know and have been under a rock for the last five, ten years, PLT, a massive global brand, was that fair? I think so, yeah. yeah. If you've not seen Huge. a bus with our logo on, then uh, yeah. buses, <laughs> you're struggling. A bit. Did I see something? Did I see um, something in Times Square on Instagram? Did you? Yeah, we did um, when we had the Molly May um, launch. We did a, um, a, a full takeover, pretty much at Times yeah. Square. Yeah, it, um, it, I wasn't there to see it, unfortunately. But yeah, I, just by knowing you, my kids think I'm cool, right? Just because I know the IT director of PLT <laughs> is way cooler than what I do for a living. So um, it's absolutely honoured to have you inside. My three-year-old says, "I want one of those buses, Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> but a bus is with pictures of unicorns on it. It's a lot more achievable than an actual unicorn. <laughs> so nice. we've just bought two unicorns for the office, actually, um, <laughs> full size. Really, that's amazing. So, um, James, tell us a little bit about your role at PLT, what you do there, you know, uh, what gets you excited, what gets you up in the morning? Sure. So, um, I, I joined um, Pretty Little Thing uh, kind of mid-2015. The business was kind of 30 strong in Manchester and the warehouse was in the middle of the office. And we've, we've now kind of grown to almost 400 heads in Manchester um, in the same office. Constantly moving desks around to try and fit everyone in because every time we uh, we do an extension, we think it's going to see us through the next twelve to kind of eighteen months, and that never happens. So so yeah, when I first joined, I was assisting with um, software development across the, the ecom stack, and we kind of moved a lot of the the kind of legacy environment onto cloud-based platforms, yeah. and and then slowly have broken down the kind of monolithic applications into um, more usable and kind of maintainable microservices yeah um, so that's kind of taken us um about four and a half years to to get through wow. it's still a painful experience but um it's 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 definitely worth it in the end and the stability that we've got across the platform now you know we can scale from a thousand people on site to, to fifty thousand people on site yeah. with, without any manual intervention it's amazing how so tell me about the culture at little things because that you've got said you've gone from what 50 to 400 in a few short years, what was the culture like? What's it now, and how have you how have you maintained that? It's really difficult. I think Uma has a, has a lot um, of input into the culture. It's it's a very relaxed environment. We're all it's all open plan, and I think that really helps all the teams work together. But we're also very light. You know, we have a, a very lean management structure. There's four directors in the business: Paul Patworth, the finance director; uh, Uma Kamani, um, and Alan, who looks after the logistics, and then myself. And we've, you know, we've always kind of kept that quite tight. And I think that's good because it means that there's not a lot of hierarchy. There's not a lot of red tape to get things done. Everyone just works together towards a common goal. I mean, it's a fascinating place, honestly. The, I mean, I've been really good friends with James now for several years. I think he's just getting on for just under three years, been working together. And when he says they've moved like three or four times now and they're creating more space, I'll never forget the first time I came down, you were showing me around and now... That's where the IT department is. And, you know, from being this tiny little space where it was to three times, four times you've moved now. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to see. And uh, it's one of those sites where when you arrive, it's like, because of where it is, yeah. um, it's like, whoa, where have you sent me? And then when you get in there and there's palm trees coming out the floor <laughs> and it's really funky and it's just, it's, it's fab. It's a tremendous success story for Manchester. Do you still have a boxing ring? No, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> was it deemed unsafe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was unfortunate that the boxing ring had had to go. Uh, You're to, a fan, right? Away. Yes. Yeah, like enjoy a bit of boxing, a bit of sparring. Yeah. Yeah. Not with Uma though, because he beats you up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what is is fascinating though for me, and 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 what I love about it is, you know, we we look at traditional retailers we look at traditional fashion businesses and you know manchester is probably the home of the textile industry isn't it as we yeah. know through the oil mills and stuff like that so it's fantastic that what we've got is we've got these e-commerce fashion businesses coming through in the city because that's what the heritage of the city yeah. was however i mean i've talked to you about it, haven't i james in the past you fundamentally it's a tech business isn't it really at the end of the day yes the product is fashion the product is, is retail but invariably if the website's not on point and the tech isn't right then the shop's shut yeah that's it and i think it's difficult to you know we try and really get that balance right from our tech stack and make sure that we we are a product-led business and and product is is the most important thing and you know we're there to, to help facilitate that as well as as kind of innovate and as, as we've spoken before, there's so much new technology out there now. You just get bombarded, and you're probably the same with yeah. all these new things. And it, I mean, even I've got to the point now where I go to an event and I don't even understand what they're trying to sell me because there's there's so many variations. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, am I being thick, or can you not sell your own product? Because they don't really know what they are, and they all I, I feel like everything kind of merges together, and everyone's trying to do a little bit of everything now in the tech space. So it's about picking the right partners, working with those partners to, to kind of help us grow. And then where possible, you know, we, we build everything in-house. That's really funny because everyone's doing a slight variation on something that's already out there. You know, these companies are trying to sell to you. And the only way they can really explain what they do is by saying, oh, we're the uh, Deliveroo of something or we're the Uber of something. <laughs> and so, oh, I get that. You know, <laughs> oh, we're the Uber of cloud. What is the Uber of cloud? <laughs> like, isn't, isn't cloud already like on demand? Surely. Yeah. So um, you got a lot of developers there? Uh, yeah, I think we're at 65 wow. uh, across IT. So I look after IT, um, UX, and then development. So um, in my kind of senior team, we have uh, Leanne Clancy, who looks after all the project delivery. So she does all the, yep. the organization and day-to-day um, and makes sure everything's delivered on time. Um, Asif Ali, who heads up our um, software development team, and Asif's been with me uh, for, for a, a long time now. And then a deal joined us. Um, I think you know. A deal I do know a deal. Yeah. So a deal joined us slightly more recently, and he's now head of technology. So a deal looks after making sure that we're constantly innovating. All of the, the stack works. We're you know we're using the latest technology where possible, yeah. and also making sure that we don't come across problems in production that we're aware of them and we can we can see bottlenecks and we can you know mod- anticipate things. things before they become an issue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just exactly. always on the front foot rather than been reactive you've yeah. got to be i mean as zach was saying it's your front door you've got to be uh, well, if there's something wrong with the website the shop's shut it's not yeah. like a, a, another retailer no I won't mention names no. but uh <laughs> it's not like another retailer where you know ultimately if the website's down or they've not even really gone that way however if the website is down you know you just walk into the shop if it's down it's shut yeah. i mean that's a fascinating one for me uh james i've known you for a while i've seen it scale fantastic business however how challenging has that been for you guys in the respect of having, I don't know, a thousand customers visit you 
um, shop on a daily basis to I don't even know how many thousands visit your shop on a daily basis now was that hugely challenging for you um it, it was in the beginning when we we were kind of stuck with kind of two or three big monolithic applications that were timely to redevelop it was difficult to make any changes to them every time you did something something else broke because there was a lot of cross dependencies um and when I joined PLT, I said that we can't have this, and it and it's not going to scale uh, moving forward. So we've we've kind of slowly broken all of that down, and it's made a big difference for us now. And it's a lot easier to handle the scale and the load. And we obviously do a lot of testing um, through that. You know, coming into to November uh, and peak and Black Friday, we're we're at the moment testing the the throughput capacity of of the whole stack. Um, but the only disadvantage of that is it only takes one piece of the 24 applications that we have to go down and yeah, yeah. single dependency <laughs> yeah and it's potentially it's, anyway yeah so it's trying to make sure that that whole chain works yeah. and, and that you've got the the right monitoring in place and moni monitoring it is one thing that we did struggle with originally as you move away from more traditional technologies like php apps and um, .NET applications to move into serverless lambda and javascript there's a mindset in the way that you monitor that and and, and maintain it and we've kind of got a head around that now and i feel really comfortable with it but there was a, a kind of f four month period where it was difficult to try and get visibility of what lambda has this product hit and where has it failed or, and you know the yeah. debug process took a lot longer than it would have done in a traditional manner yeah. um so that's something that we've is a challenge that we've kind of come across and we've we've been working our way through but um yeah we've we've done a lot of work on that over the last six months and feel really comfortable with it now What's it like out there for you guys? What do you think? Do you think it's a great time, a glorious time to be running a tech business in Manchester from a big business like PLT, but also, John, from a smaller, smaller business like yeah. Craytech? I, I find there's a real cycle that happens with recruitment and, and, and availability and yeah. quality of developers. So we've, I think at the moment we've come into a, a what I'd call a hard period and the last year and a half has probably been pretty easy and we've that's where we've kind of done the main scaling of a team but now i think the to take a graduate out of university and to get them to a level of a, a mid-weight developer can take four years because you know the universities are yeah. still taking teaching java they're not using modern technology they've not got any experience with a serverless stack we build a lot of stuff in react um, and express they've not got that experience and to try and find those developers is harder. I think we went through the cycle kind of a, a couple of years ago with PHP devs in Manchester. It was just almost impossible to, to find yeah. anyone. And and then the, the kind of market changes. And I think as businesses, not that it's very nice, but as businesses, um, a few in Manchester have gone into to liquidation recently. There's kind of an influx on the market. But then you have a lot of other tech companies like Amazon opening up in Manchester. Yeah. Um, Moonpig and yeah, it just goes on. And they're it? used to paying London rates for developers. Um, you know, we had a, a guy that came in for an interview, and he'd been hired by a bank in Manchester, and he said he's been sitting at a desk for four weeks and not been given a laptop yet because they're hiring, you know, that tech, tech talent with no real use of it yet, but they can afford and mopping up people and yeah, paying, just sucking the market. Yeah, and just taking uh, them out. That's crazy. So, you know, we, we, we've kind of gone down a different route and we try and build a, you know, we've moved away from older tech stacks. We've tried to move to more modern technology, which has really helped us attract, attract talent. Yeah. Yeah. 
which I think is key. And then there's the kind of culture that comes around with that. There's flexible working. We kind of let people, you know, we work purely in sprint or Kanban and the teams are, are kind of let to, to get on with their own deliverables. So we try and have a, you know, a DevOps, a project manager or, or a business analyst, um, a number of developers and a QA in a self-contained team. And we, yeah. we have about six of those and the guys work away. So that that's kind of how we've got around it to try yeah. and build a culture that nurtures and tech individuals enjoy working in yeah. than having to chase and just constantly bump salary brackets t- yeah. to hire people who are, who are who are way above where they should be in the market. Yeah, fascinating point, isn't it? Because on our on our last podcast, um, we had a similar conversation, and now we're sort of saying about I think salaries have got to where they've got to supply and demand, whether it's out of kilter, but it is where it is at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's people like us as recruiters, but also clearly there's a lot of tech business that have come to Manchester, which have created that. However, I think, and I brought it up at the last one, which is, I think your point for me is massively, massively relevant around the cool tech stack that you're using and what they're working on. And, you know, why is it exciting to go and work somewhere? Because if you can build the flexible working in this is a work-life balance you can build the cool tech stack that you're working on and the projects that you're working on and the salaries there or thereabouts anyway then that's when it starts fitting and it starts fitting well yeah I did some uh, analysis tail end of last year i think it was for um for my budget and i think on average it it personnel across the the, the it roles that that we hire I think the salary increase year on year had been about 12%, but PHP developers were the highest at 17% year on year increase. And that just keeps happening year on year in the market, especially Mm -hmm. in Manchester. So I think, yeah, I I think, you know, for us to stay current in in that tech environment and really strong as as more of these big businesses open, we might find it more difficult. And it'd be fascinating to see as well, because I noticed you touched on the point about the university piece. And it's quite interesting because obviously you spot on, Java, that's what comes out. Be interesting to see what it's going to be like in three or four years' time. Now these code schools have yeah. been, you know, doing a lot of work to see whether or not these people that they've been churning through on these three-month sessions, yeah. whether or not they do filter through. I mean, for me personally, my view is is that we've had skill shortages, whether that be in IT or anything. For years and years yeah. and years and years, you know, I've been doing recruitment since 1997. And you're still not finished. <laughs> yeah, I haven't hired everyone. Yet. Come on, Zach. Had long enough. But there's always been skill shortages. <laughs> yeah. So even if they do have these code schools and bring people through, the demand and the the point that you made both of you earlier on about tech it moves that quickly anyway. Can anyone ever act, actually catch yeah, up? Yeah, that's so, it. I mean, but, yeah, we don't look for people with university degrees. We, we're not interested in it. We want the person to be right. We do a a, a small test. <laughs> Um, which just outlines the technical capability. I think, John, you'll probably agree, it's like the most difficult, there's two parts to development. There's been able to teach somebody to code, which is completely possible, but it's pretty much impossible to teach somebody how to debug. Right, and, yeah. And that's that. I mean, that's always the way I look at it from yeah. um, when we're hiring, and, and I say it to the guys all the time, the, the debug and the concentration of you know the team that we've got in, in terms of working through right. problems for weeks on end is what really sets apart the difference between someone who can code and someone who can who can yeah. develop and actually lead and, and build products yeah you're talking about like performance issues where you have to keep digging and digging yeah. and digging Completely. and it's just it seems like an unending 
task. Uh, Joel Spal- and someone's saying estimate how long it's going to take you to oh debug God. something you don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably You're, me. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when it's done. Um, well, you mean you've not done it yet? Joel- <laughs> yeah, touche. <laughs> Joel Spolsky, the um, Microsoft guy, said when you're hiring people, the two things you want is smart people who are smart, people who get things done, and you can teach everything else. You know, you can change people's culture. I think that's really important. I think they also need to be smart they need to be switched on they need to be able to capable of doing the job and they need to be delivery focused yeah that's it and we've you know we've built out some really cool products this year to do with uh, we've built our own promotion service which basically allows us to do very complex discounts on individual users on yeah. number of times on uh, shipping methods and and it's something that the business have been working really closely with, with the IT team on to kind of develop something that's that's going to really give us a, a lot more value and because the team look at it from a story or a user story perspective or a functional requirement it makes it a lot more involved it's not like write this blob of code and it's then going to go to someone else who's going to integrate into something and then it's going to get shipped and you're not really going to know what it's done yeah um and i think that's that that is important to retain in staff because people do like to have a purpose and people do like to feel that they're, they're delivering value and i think if you've abstracted that away from a development team you're going to struggle what's the kind of getting into a technical thing but what is your kind of cycle time from someone having a great the new next big idea or even a small idea to getting it onto the site what's yeah, I know it varies but yeah what? site I mean site wise you know we, we do we've just recently launched some new payment methods by now pay later payment methods um, in the UK and the US and I think from signing the deal they were live within three weeks Wow. fully tested and released and obviously you know we, we continue to monitor those and we roll everything out from a yeah. through an a b test so we'll roll out to five percent and monitor it and then slowly ramp that up over a period and that's provided a lot of insight and a, and a lot more understanding of what impact releases have and, and what benefit the products have that we're, we're pushing out do you think that the we talked about attracting good people right do you think the brand helps definitely yeah yeah um, it's just, I mean, it's hard to speak to somebody who doesn't know who yeah. Pretty Little Thing is. And the marketing team work tirelessly to make sure that happens. <laughs> um, you know, every taxi, every bus, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you go to Piccadilly Station and it's plastered all over uh, over the welcome boards. And yeah, it does make it a lot easier. And I think over time we built a, a much better reputation, you know, out of the, the group of fashion businesses in Manchester for, for tech, which has really helped. What, what do you think retention... Presumably the novelty must, maybe it doesn't wear off, I mean, you'll tell me, but like retaining developers is hard. Retaining anyone is hard, right? Training good people is always a hard. We talked about, Zach talked about the skill shortage. What's your tactic there? I think yeah, when, when we tend to, to our, the biggest thing for me is making sure that the, the team work well together and where we've lost people most of the time is when the, the team aren't bonding well together and you know we need to mm. do more to make sure that we know the personalities in that team and we know how those get people work together because it's really yeah. it's really important zach and i get on well so it's all right we can work together but you know there could be someone else across the table that i don't get on with and we wouldn't be sitting here today so it it's all you know from from all parts of business it's really important and we've got a you know the, our hr team have done a, a really good job of, of kind of building up a culture we do um, the subsidised canteens we do gym classes boxing classes yoga gym classes every hour of the day 
and and they've done a lot of work on you know mental health and well-being as well which i think is really important at this day and age especially when you know young people are coming out of university or school and they're going straight into the first job and they might not they might be away from home and financial planning and, and all that kind of thing that you can help people with that you don't really think about and as the business has grown that's become really important to us and and i look back to, to when i first started my own job and you're chasing your paycheck to paycheck because you don't really know how to manage your own money because <laughs> you've never had to do it before yeah so so that's you know the, the team do a lot of work on in the background around building that yeah. support structure for people um which is really important to us and and we try and spot where we've got conflicts in teams and you're all conflict I mean, I always say this to the team, conflict is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it drives out better ideas. There'll be a lot of time when, you know, Massive, Adil and myself will sit in my office and shout and argue with each other. But at the end of the day, we get a product or an idea which is a lot better than what it was when one of us came up with it. So it's trying to harness that in a way that works within a team environment, but people yeah. still still feel as if they're supported. People don't need to feel comfortable with conflict, though, don't they? I mean, it's really interesting about mental health. So can I bring you in because... How important do you think it is when people are looking for the next role that they feel that they're being they're going to get support in that space? Is it something people even think about? You know, are they just going? Oh, I just want a new job. I just want. They want to move on, or or maybe look at it the other way. Are people leaving because they're having difficulties in their current job and it's not being dealt with, and they're ready to move on because of it? Um, I think you know we discussed it earlier on, didn't we? I think people potentially of companies because of maybe the way they're being managed or, yeah. or <laughs> a recruiter getting on the phone and telling them they've got a new opportunity around the corner. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily think people think about it from a mental health perspective, but what I would say is is I think from the from the PLT thing, what I found fascinating is it, it's almost like the perfect storm. They've built this great brand, they've built this great culture. I noticed as soon as you asked about PLT and whether or not you know the brand has helped, Yeah. And James immediately said yes, and I definitely think it has. You know, over the years, everyone knows who you are. And then when you start putting in things like, certainly from a tech perspective, but when you start putting in cool tech, when you start putting in cool culture, when you start putting in that caring and so on and so on, then ultimately, that's what you get. You get the perfect storm. You get people wanting to stay there. You get people wanting to go there. From a recruiter perspective, the minute you turn around and say, okay, this is the opportunity, this is the role, et cetera, et cetera, let me tell you all about it. I do think that there's clearly, I'm going to say this, and I think that the industry perception has changed a lot as well. I think you know people are starting to value recruiters more and more so. And certainly when you build up a relationship where you know that the inside outs of that particular business and you're able to discuss in depth before you go across there, at that point, then you throw in, and by the way, it's for a pretty little thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're like, I want to work there. I think it's important, though, as well, is that, and I'm going to be careful how much I blow smoke up your ass here, <laughs> but is working with, you know, we only work, we work with a very small number of recruiters because they know the brand, they know the team. You're in the office probably once a week, once yeah. every two weeks, speaking to whoever you need to speak to about the constant recruitment that we're doing. But it's important that, you know, what we don't respond to is, spammed you know here's a developer because they've not got they're just they're just firing that out to everybody and there's no culture fit i mean sometimes they send us developers that are like you know dotnet developers i'm like well we don't (laughs) do any dotnet developments you've done clearly no research whatsoever on what we're doing and i think for you to to hire the right people and and also get a good reputation when recruiting it's important to you we have an entire house recruitment team that do the majority of the other business work but tech 
it is very different and mm. we p- prefer working with with external agencies on that um it is important that the, the opportunity has been sold right it's been advertised Absolutely. right you know and then people come in and they don't get a shock because they know that it's a relaxed environment they know you can turn up in your flip-flops and some people don't like that and yeah. you know every, everyone to their own and when we've had you know where we have had people leave there's a probably a lack of cultural fit and it's it's part of our job when we do that recruitment to, to try and minimize that as much as possible and and, and you know so sorry john um but it's absolutely critical for anybody out there in the marketplace to understand that what a recruiter should be should be a representation from the first line of your brand so if i'm explaining your company correctly out there in the marketplace then i should understand who you are what you're all about know what the brand is because that's what i am i'm your first line before they've even come to see you before cv's been sent to you this is a shame you're so ugly <laughs> It's a, it's a good thing. I love you too. It's a good. Thing, it's a good thing he's only on the phone. And <laughs> um, one thing that just moving on ever so slightly, um, do we think that we talked about tech scene? Is it a glorious time? We talked about re- retention, yeah. attraction, etc. Do we think the city's doing enough to get people to come here? Do we think Manchester is evolving quick enough? Do we think that the links are there? You know, we've we talked in our earlier podcast about how people used to go to London. I mean, yeah. you said, James, that you went to London, didn't you? But then you've come back to Manchester. Do you think the city, Manchester, is doing enough? Andy Burden, hope you're listening. Are they doing enough to get the talent to come in? Whether that be tech or whether that just to be get the brains here rather than the southeast? I think Manchester's got um, a good reputation from a university perspective. I do think there's a gap and probably private companies have filled that with a lot of the Code Academy. Code Nation. Code Nation. Yeah, yeah, all all these kind of... um, And, uh, you know, can you teach someone to code well in that period? I'm a bit dubious about it, if I'm honest. I think it's it's a good crash course for people, but then what happens after that... You know, is there good solid apprenticeships um, in, in development? I don't think so. In, and could that be developed more? And that training needs to happen over a longer period of time than just a, yeah. a paid. I don't know what the thirteen-week kind of crash courses. The majority yeah. of them. Yeah, well, we. I mean, we've actually hired people out of those, and for the most part, they've been really good. Um, actually, I would say they've been all really good. But one of the reasons they're really good actually is because the people who do those courses know exactly what they want. You know, they know that I don't want to go to university or back to university. I do want a job in tech. I've had another job somewhere else and they're driven. And it's that drive that makes them so good. Um, but I think to your question, is Manchester doing enough? I think they've left it to those private organizations to fill the, to gaps, fill the gap. Yeah. And I, I think that's not enough. And I think they need to be attracting people. I think they may need to offering maybe master's courses at a uni. If you know, I know you're saying you're not a fan of the the university courses, but let's make them more relevant. You know, let's let's look at what's on there. I mean, Java's huge, right? But Manchester is. Um, Zach will probably tell you what the top skills are. I know we've talked about PHP, and so they are some of the top skills. Maybe they're the courses. Maybe that's what the course should be doing: tuning it a little bit to that, making it a little bit more vocational. Okay. Question then on that: self-taught versus graduates is it not a question from what you're saying attitude yeah i think i think it is i think it's the person above and beyond like i went through so i i went through the degree in software engineering glad i did it but i learned 
most of my practical skills in my sandwich year and everything I learned after university was the really good important stuff. However, I still value what I learned at university and I still refer back to some of that in my mind and going, oh yeah, we did this, we did, you know, we, we talked about this abstraction or, or whatever it was. So I think it, perhaps some of the stuff you learn at university comes into play much later in your career and perhaps actually what you need in your first year in a job are the practical skills of how to write code in a language and also how to get on in a team, which is the thing that do these people get on together and do you have the drive to learn? Do you really want to push yourself? Do you want to become a 10x developer or whatever? So the answer to the question, City's doing better, but it needs to do more. I think I think it could do more. Yeah, I think it could as well. What would it do? What would that look? What would good look like? <laughs> Andy, are you listening? Well, I think there's, you know, the, the, they've opened up the um, that creative uh, academy, haven't they, uh, in Media City? And I think something like that, or a lot more tech-focused yeah. academies where people can pick these skills up from a younger age, and the application becomes a lot easier. I think I probably got my first computer when I was five, and by the age of five and a half, I realised that if I put a magnet on the screen, it um, well fucked up the pixels. <laughs> um, Did some funky things, didn't it? <laughs> um, and you know, from there, it was like I was just interested in you know what this, what what is this thing, and, and why do things affect it? And then you kind of go from there into probably writing your first website, writing a blog, building yeah. out HTML. Uh, and you know, for me, it was it was always an interest. It was absolutely fine until my mum used to cut the internet cable at ten p.m. with a pair of scissors. Wow. Um, ah, so you got good at wiring as well, yeah. presumably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Networking is not a problem. Yeah, I think it's that that's professional curiosity, isn't it? If you can see that, if you can, you know, if you're hiring someone and they've got that professional curiosity to go and learn more, what was going forward. I think what's, what is also a challenge, though, is people chasing what we like to call the shiny, shiny, who are only interested in the new things and not actually interested in actually building something useful they just want to play with tech and I think that can be a challenge too for employers they look brilliant on paper they know everything they've got the skills they only um, want to work on a specific but they only yeah. want to work on the newest thing and that's all there's nothing to, they don't care about the product or what they're offering or the business okay well on that note then what do we think is the hottest trend in tech right now that's just everything James said <laughs> <laughs> I think serverless was definitely um it's actually a little bit underrated. It's just life changing. Like, yeah, it's... I, I think a lot of people hit that middle ground, haven't they? Of trying to do like Docker containers, yeah. or and that's that's probably. I mean, how long has Docker been around for? Uh, five or six years, yeah, maybe roughly. So I think you know, serverless is the next level on top of that, yeah. and it's it's changed the way that, that we build code and we can use um, NoSQL databases a lot more and everything can be scaled. We can scale globally. We yeah. can get applications closer to the customer. We can get closer to the edge. Uh, we can cache a lot more. We can serve a lot more things client side. And that stack is, is just what's driving technology forward. And I think, yeah, serverless is the way forward. Do you think it's as relevant though for a smaller e-com business with two Magento servers and a load balancer. Yeah, well, you know, I have a, a love-hate relationship with Magento because we, we kind of started on it and I've developed on Magento probably since I was 15. And, you know, it, it's great um, to, to get a site up and running, but it's, it's a very big, bulky application yeah. when you want to try and start to make changes or modify um, elements of it. So we've got a very uh, cut back. I mean, Magento is literally the front end of the site now. 
the basket's not Magento, the checkout's not Magento, the, my account section's not Magento, yeah. the product listing page is not Magento. So we're probably moving towards maybe maybe moving completely to a custom stack in the future. And you know, then there's a lot of other applications, isn't there? Shopify is great to get companies off the ground now. Yeah, you know, they do a really good job of, of letting people who want to set up e-com businesses kind of get up and running a lot quicker. Um, and I think for the smaller retailers, that's a great platform because it's minimal. There's not a huge amount of configuration, and it's not as bulky. I think JavaScript is the other hot thing. Would you say, Zach? You're at the yeah, absolutely. You're at the cold face yeah, doing yeah, all yeah, the hiring. Absolutely. We, we alluded to it earlier on, and you know it was interesting that James says it earlier on in this um, conversation. But about the um, you know PHP and how you've moved now towards the JavaScript area mm. and so on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I find JavaScript fairly e- or developers are, are fairly comfortable cross training into yeah. it as well because it's it's a nice language it, yeah it's, it's a an, e- an easy language to kind of understand so php developers for example most of them have slowly transitioned over to working on javascript applications whether that be in lambda or express um, and it's been nobody seems to have any problem with it whereas yeah. if you were trying to cross train between to other languages, you'd be pretty friction. much impossible or very yeah. difficult. There'd be a lot of friction. This has not got that. <clears throat> Whereas with JavaScript from from a PHP uh, stack, we've not found that too difficult. I think the interesting, just the one last thing, the interesting thing probably about JavaScript, done a great, a great rebranding exercise for being the a dirty word, almost in coding at one point, to being the coolest thing you yeah. could possibly know. I think we still need to teach Zach some. Yeah. <laughs> Straight after this. <laughs> I'm ready, right. guys. That is brilliant. Thank you very much, James McDoodle, IT Director of PLT. Thank you, Zach. And for me, John Clary, um, see you next time. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.